We're going to be in Revelation chapter 4, if you would turn there. We've been a couple weeks. We've been a couple weeks getting to this. And we're going to jump in today. We've been through the three churches. We've been through the uh, three chapters with the two church, uh, seven churches, excuse me. And it's the Lord's great card to the churches, how they've done through the ages. And now the whole scene changes. Everything changes. From the fourth chapter to the 19th chapter of the book of Revelation, we have the events of the Great Tribulation. The first time, this is the first time anyone has given a viewpoint from heaven, and so it sounds so strange. John says, I was taken in the Spirit to the throne of God, and he gives a commentary on what he saw in heaven. No one has ever done that, and no one has done it since. And so many people believe the book of Revelation is not even be in the Bible, which is foolishness completely, but you consider the source. Many people believe the Bible should not contain the book of Revelation, but I'm telling you this, it is the crowning book. And it takes an understanding of the rest of the Bible to figure it out. Amen. You go back in Daniel, Daniel chapter 10, 11, you have a, just, a description of the Antichrist as something better than anything else in the Bible. Paul says he'll do some things, but Daniel lays it out and says this is how he's going to act and behave and what he's going to do. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul says he'll be this kind of a man and he'll be this and that, but Daniel, chapters 10 and 11, then 12, it changes again. And it says, and then the angel stood up for the people of God, and many who sleep in the dirt shall arise. And so we have this, we have this uh, resurrection idea, we have the idea of the church being raptured out. We have to be very careful to delineate and divide the verses out. But we have this already happened now. Between chapter 3 and 4 of Revelation, the church is gone. And my Bible says we're not children of God are not appointed unto His wrath. Will we see tribulation? Absolutely. Will we see the great tribulation? The Bible teaches no. We are not appointed to His wrath. I believe this. We're going to see things that make us believe we're in the Great Tribulation. I believe, I believe the gates of hell have been opened personally, but that's, I, I can only say that's my opinion, but I want to say this to you. With what's happening in the world, and when I was a young boy, when I was a young boy, young man and, and younger than I am now, if I would have heard the things that people are going to suggest and people are clamoring toward that now, I would have said, not my country, not my world. But the things that people want now and they're demanding are just absolutely opposed to the plan of God. Amen. And so we're going we're to suffer the retribution. But his children, the church, will not go through the great tribulation. We are not looking for the Antichrist. We're looking for the rapture. We're looking for that day when we hear our name and it says your name, my name, and it says come up here. Come up here. That's the day we're looking for. Between 3 and 4 of Revelation, that has happened. The church is gone. John now. Look what it says in chapter 4 and verse 1. This is the significant. This is the teaching of that. He says, and after this, and we have to say after what? After God judged the churches, after God gave his great card to the churches, after the church age is what after this is. After the church age. John says, I look and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. 
And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeds lightning and thunder and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass likened to crystal. And in the midst of the throne, round about the throne, were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, the second beast like a calf, the third beast had a face of a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the fourth beast and the four beasts each had of them six wings about them. And they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and which is and which is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and forever, and the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne, and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Revelation chapter 4. Wonderful. It's a wonderful truth. Pray with me, Father. Speak to us now in the meaning of these words. Give us understanding, Father, as your children, that we may understand the days in which we live, that we may understand the necessity of understanding the shortness of the hour, the shortness of the time that we have in which to do these things. And so, Father, we look into the Word this morning. We just pray that you would calm each heart and open each spirit, each mind to the truth that you have and that your Holy Spirit himself would come and speak and teach this morning. Lord, our past thoughts, our ideas, and those things that we think we ask that you would help us to push out and gain clear truth and understanding of what you have for us now. Thank you for each one here this morning and just pray that our mind will be taken off of the things of the world and we listen to you. Not to me, to you, Father. Speak to us by your Spirit. May we respond. May we understand. Give us that strength and power we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. It's fun. This is the most fun. The book of Revelation is fun. It's it's, it terrorizes so many people. I told you before of a woman I have in, in, uh, in my business that a client of mine, and she came in one day and said she cut the revelation out of her Bible and threw it in the trash can. It was the ranting of a of a drug, drugged up old man that was insane anyway. Can I tell you that many of the people feel that way and don't do it? But I've heard many people say that kind of thing to me as we talk about the Word of God. They're fine with the Word of God. They say they are until they get to the book of Revelation. They say someone wrote that just to scare people. Can I tell you? 
this, this chapter is a transition chapter between the church age and all the churches of all time, the Lord has given the great card and said, because you do this good and because you do that, you need to work on that. But when I come, when I come, I'm going to judge. Know that. Repent. Repent. He that hath an ear, let him hear. And I was, when I was a young man, I thought, who doesn't have an ear? And I, now I know most people don't, they can't hear it. They're blind to the truth and they can't hear the truth. Most people cannot hear the word of God. They can't hear it. And so it's a fascinating statement, and it's repeated seven times after the qualified messenger gives his message to the churches. He repeats seven times, he that hath an ear, let him hear. And so that's, uh, are you willing to listen? Are you willing to listen? And so what we have here in this transition chapter is a chapter where the Lord lays out before us, and we don't know this until we read the rest of the book. He's calling his saints to their duties and to their work after the rapture. The Bible says the saints of God, the saints of God are going to have their work through all of eternity. We're going to be put in a position, if you're really a Christian, you're going to be put in a position for all of eternity to do something. Now people say, I don't, I don't think heaven would be heaven if we have to work. We're going to be praising God, and to His praise is to do that which He's called us to do. When you go to the 17th of John, you'll find the Lord's prayer to the Father in His high priestly prayer, and He said, I've honored you. I've finished the work you gave me to do. I've glorified you on earth. I've finished the work you gave me to do. I believe in my, I believe, I teach you this, and I haven't had much rebellion about this yet. I believe the Lord made us. He knew we were born. He, he, he born us to a family, a place, and a time with a purpose and a plan and the gifts to do that thing. And the church has failed to teach that through the years. And so people flounder through, and, and uh, so most of the counsel that people want to do with me, and they say, will you, will you counsel with me? And I say, well, I'll talk to you. I'm not a counselor. But people have this emptiness inside themselves. There's an emptiness. I have plenty of money. Our, our life's going okay. We have all we want. We have more than we want. But there's something wrong. There's a hole in me. There's something that's just not satisfied in me. And can I tell you, I really believe, after years of scripture study, living, seeing, listening, I really believe that most people come to an understanding that I didn't do what I was here to do. Now, I lived my life, and I did what I wanted to do, and, and America calls that a blessing, but I get that. But listen, I believe the Lord made you and me and every person ever born with a plan for your life and mine so that what, what, what would that plan bring out? You're working over in your place and all the cogs working, everybody doing their job, that the kingdom would be glorified. Amen, brother. The kingdom would be enhanced. We're going we're gonna to go home one day. We're going to go home one day and it's going to be like this. Did you bring anyone with you? No, 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 no. You know what I've had men tell me? Honest men. I mean men. Grown men. I don't like to use the name Jesus. I don't like to use that because, you know, someone might think bad of me. Grown men who have money and have a home and have built empires for themselves, but they will say to me, we don't use that name in our house. We don't talk that way. Now, I know you're a preacher, but I appreciate if you don't talk about Jesus while you're here. And uh, I say, what, you're ashamed of his name? 
Yeah, we don't like to. Some of it might be offended. Everybody has their own beliefs and their own religion. Well, that's a fact, folks. But the Lord said to me and to you and every other Christian, now you go into all the world. You go out into all the world. That's a great commission. You go now and you make disciples. And I say this. When I was young, I used to preach that so hard and I never saw it happen one time. And then I thought this. I thought, go out and be disciples. Well, they're not disciples themselves. You can't teach what you don't know. And if you do that, you're a teacher that your students hate. If you're going to teach things you don't know or you don't believe or you don't do, and this never works, do as I say and not as I do does not work as a parent or as a teacher. I'm not going to do it. And so we have uh, people making laws that think they're made for everybody but them. And I understand that. That's the anger. But can I tell you this? I want to, before we get into a lot of this chapter, I want, to, I want to talk to you about your salvation for a moment. Because, John said, and I was in the Spirit, and in verse 2 he says, I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. So we go back to this idea of salvation, and who's going to be hearing these things? These things are not for churchgoers particularly. They're for Christians. And the Lord said many people who call themselves Christians simply are not. They are churchgoers. They never received, in truth, the Holy Spirit. They never received salvation by, by the grace of God. They received it in their head and they know what it is, but they never took it into their heart and they never repented of their sins. To, to, on that line of thinking, John chapter 10, there are two places in Scripture I want to point out this morning, and just have you know, this is the Lord's thinking on salvation. John 10 and verse 26, Jesus said, But you believe not, because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Man, it's, it's crazy how many people said to me, you hear God's voice? You hear God speak? Don't you? I don't hear God like you speak to me. He speaks in my spirit. He speaks to my soul. He speaks to my consciousness. He speaks to me, inside of me, in my spirit. It's a spiritual communication. You lay in bed. I'm telling you, I can struggle all week with a message to give you people. And frankly, I don't put together messages. I study for understanding, and the Lord does this. I'm telling you that 2 o'clock in the morning, between 2 and 3 o'clock, I don't know what that is with me and the Lord, but between 2 and 3 o'clock, he brings all my studying together and tells me the whys and the wherefores and how it works, how it comes together and how it works. That's the voice of God. That's the voice of God. People think I got an idea last night. Did you? That's when we say try the spirits. What was the idea? Well, it can be good, it can be bad. He said, my sheep hear my voice. Now, why would the Lord say that? My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. 
Oh, Don, don't you believe that? Don't you believe that we can jump out? Listen. Go back to the third grade primer. Let's see what words mean. Jesus said, no man can pluck him out of my father. Oh, you're not a man? Oh, well. Can you be a Christian and quit being a Christian? No. Can you get born and quit being a child? No. Can you go to court and change your name and say, I hate my family, I just, I just own them? Yes. And the courts recognize that on earth. In heaven, the courts say, I gave you to that family. You're his son, you're his daughter. If you like it or not, that's who you are. You don't have to be around them if you don't want to, but you're part of that family. That's the DNA line that you're, you're born into. Listen very carefully. He said this, My sheep, if you're a sheep of God, if you are a Christian, I give unto them eternal life. Man, don't you hope Jesus knows what words mean? Don't you hope when we stand before the Lord, He goes, I, Oh, I said eternal? That's a long time. Did I make that word up? What did I do? No, you promised me that if I came to you, I will have eternal life, and I believe you, and I have it. I will give unto them eternal life. And then he says this, for you people whose heads look like the cinder block, and they shall never perish. Well, that's a whole bunch of words to get confused by God. And that's an argument I face daily in this world. Okay, isn't that pretty clear? I give unto them eternal life, they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. That's a three-way safeguard. I think that's clear, but then again, I didn't graduate with honors. And he didn't say, by the way, what he did say was, it's eternal. What he didn't say was, until they, make, until they sin a certain sin, you know, there's those bad sins out there. He didn't say until it's a certain sin or until a certain time and then you're not saved. He said this, forever, eternal life. I add that to this passage, Romans 8 and verse 37, beginning. Paul said, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No man can pluck him out of my Father's hand or my hand. Neither can a principality, a demon, uh, nothing. Nothing. If you're saved this morning, you're saved. Praise God. If you're saved this morning, here's your deal. You're in the family. <clears throat> and First uh, John 5 makes it pretty clear. You can sin a sin unto death. You can, you can sin a sin. It doesn't, you don't lose your salvation. But you, God says, you're just, if you're going to act like that, let's just take you on home. I was told that as a child in my own family. If you're going to act like that, make our family look bad. That's not how I, how I taught you to behave. Let's just go home if you're going to act that way. Let's get in the car. Let's go. Now, you do remember with me in, in uh, Matthew in chapter 7. If, you, if you'll turn there for a moment. Did we see this? This is, this is the rub. This is where people get confused about their salvation. Matthew chapter 7. 
The Lord says, Enter in verse 13, Enter ye into the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that go therein. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads to life, and few there be that find it. The Lord, did, the Lord gave, gave odds, and He gave percentages three different times. And that was in the fruit bearing of the Christian and, and who's saved and who's not saved. And he said, there's a, there's a wide gate that the world offers you. There's a very wide gate, a wide path, a really easy path. It's the, it's, the, it's the easiest thing in the world to say I'm a Christian and go up this wide path. You can take all your stuff with you on that path. You can take all your materialism, all your stupid thoughts, all your lies about God. You can take all your false ideas, all your anti-Christ mindset, and you can go up that road. And above, the, above that wide road, it says heaven because that's Satan's deception. And a lot of people believe they're on the road to heaven when they're simply not. And the Lord said, and, and in opposition or opposed to that is this narrow road. Pretty narrow. You know why it's narrow? Because there's one way to heaven. Now. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You can't go up that wide road and go to heaven. People can go up that wide road when they get to the end of it. They're going to be surprised. There's flames at the end of that road. And yet there's this narrow road. What is that? What is it, why is it so narrow? And the, and the Bible suggests this one word when you talk about that road, the gate, the gate, the narrow road, the word you look up will be turnstile. It is one at a time sideways with nothing in tow. Just you. All your ideas, your notions, your plans, all of that has to stay out. And the Lord says, you come to me, I'll make you a brand new creature. I'm going to trade agendas with you. All your plans, I'll give you, I'll give you new ones. Brand new plans for your life. Brand new. Most people, listen, listen now. Most people are not going to be in heaven. That's a harsh statement. That is harsh. And it's harsh if you love somebody and you know that they're on the broad road because they think... Because when I was 10 years old, I made a profession in a little church in the country. I walked the aisle, and I said I was going to be saved. And they did. And I said, well, what happened after that? Do you love meeting with God's people? No. Do you go to church? No. Do you read the Bible? No. Do you listen to sermons? No. Do you give him money? No. Do you... No. I, I have nothing to do with him. Nothing to do with God. I don't like his people. I don't like to hear about it. I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want that. And you're a Christian. When I was 10 years old, I said I was. Could I tell you this morning, I could tell you I'm a carpenter. I'm a mechanic. You're a carpenter? Yeah, you have a pencil? No. A saw? No. A ruler? No. A level? No. You have a hammer? No. But I said I was. I professed carpentry when I was 10 years old. And you say, that's foolishness. It is foolishness, folks. And today in this world, the people against me are the people who, I say, the Lord said no to what you're doing. Now, if you're in the family of God, you're in. But you're going to go to heaven and meet God if you rebel against what he says. Oh, I know you're funny now. You're trying to lick your eyebrows and your chin and you're telling your stories. And man, you're the person at the party. I get that. That's called insecurity. 
I'm going to laugh and giggle and tell you all about me, and I'm going to... I, get, I know those people. Living in total rebellion against the commands and the wishes of God, and I think they're going to meet him one day, and he's going to be so impressed that finally they came to his heaven. Oh, it's a blissful place now. Folks, that's crazy. But I'll say this to you. You know what the Lord said about that? And here's the problem. They do know what the Lord said about that, but they're choosing to do it anyway. Well, God bless them. What happens to those folks? Straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads to life, and few there be that find it. And so here's where the Lord delineates between the many and the few. And the rest of the Gospels and into the epistles of Paul and Peter and James and everyone else now is the delineation between many and the few which they call us and them. But we, brethren, they, we, and they, I'll give you this, they are greater in number. They are greater in number. We, we are often outvoted because they are greater in number. I'll give you that. So this is what we're talking about. John is in heaven, and he's talking about Christians now are in heaven. This is what Christians are going to see when they're raptured up. And what the fourth chapter of Revelation really talks about is the division of the saints of God and what they're going to do for all eternity. What most people seem to never get a hold of is in the book of Revelation, in the book of Revelation we, the saints of God, are called by names that we think pertain to something else. We're called footmen. We're called as soldiers in Revelation. We're called horsemen. We're called angels. We're called the messengers. We're, uh, that word is transposed sometimes. That's what Christians are going to be doing. Working involved in the redemption process. That's what this chapter is about. And the four and twenty elders is a number of completion. That's 12 of the old, 12 of the new, and it has to do with all the saints of all times. We're going to be bowing before the throne of God. Not here laughing, pointing at him. No, we're not here laughing, pointing at him like we do here. There we're going to hit our knees and bow before God. Lay on our face before God. That's what the elders it speaks of in verse 4. How do we know that's us? They're in white raiment. What does the Bible say? Our clothes are dipped in the blood and they become white. White as fuller's soap. And so we have that. This is the third division of the book. It says it's going to show you things which must be hereafter. In Revelation 1 and 19 gives the outline. The things which thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. From 4 through 22 of Revelation are the things that shall be hereafter. 4 through 19 is the great tribulation and what's going to happen to people. I'm amazing that Christians have no interest in this. Very few Christians have any interest in this. Can I tell you this? When it happens, you're going to be very interested. When the wrath of God spills out on this world, people are going to get real interested. Gasoline doubled in price and people can't quit talking about it. Hey folks, we're going to wish those were the days we lived in someday when gas was expensive. Here's an option. Stay home. Oh, wait, we're Americans. We're born to the highway. All right. And so we see John, and he says here, I was in the Spirit. 
Now, what does that mean when you read, I was, I was in the Spirit? You read it through the Word of God several times, and, and the prophet said, and they, and Peter one time was in a trance in the Spirit. What does that mean when, when the Bible says, and I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, or I was in the Spirit? It means this. It's a very simple meaning. It says, I was in control of and had complete spiritual conception. I had the perspective of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave me his perspective. And so he's in heaven. Paul says in the, in the 14th of 2nd Corinthians, Paul says, I was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. That's how real it is. Paul said, I don't know if I was really in the body or not. I was in the third heaven, and I saw things a man cannot utter. Well, John saw things man has never uttered, and putting it into words that he knew, they lose their translation just a little bit. But we can study him and see what he's talking about. But here's, how, here's what it means to be in the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, the Bible says, uh, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered to the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them to love him. Now here's the answer to that. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in it? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. If we're going to know the things that God wants you to know from this word, the Spirit has to reveal it. How many people do you know that say, I read the Bible and it doesn't make no sense to me? I read the Bible and I, I don't get anything. I read the Bible. Don, I don't know if you're hearing that. I hear it daily almost. I read the Bible, but it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't get anything. And so I reread it. I just don't get it. I'll tell you why. You don't know the author. The Holy Spirit wrote this book, and he will be glad to tell you what he means if, in fact, you're a child of God and you ask him to tell you. Very simple equation. Very simple equation. Come on, now you've heard that. How many people have told you, I don't get anything from the Word of God? You hear it every day, every day. And these are people who are churchgoers. I don't know, man. I read it. I didn't get anything. I wouldn't tell anybody that. You know what I do? I go home crawling in my bed and beg God. I don't got to tell people I read the Bible and don't understand it. Because the Bible says that you'll understand it when the Lord tells you what it says. If you ask Him, He'll be glad to tell you. I don't know. Of course, they can read a, uh, a lecture on thermodynamics and tell you the ins and outs of that. Here's what Luke said. Christ says in the book of Luke. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. I was cutting a man's hair one day and he was a professor of religion at the university. <laughs> so I'm cutting his hair and he said, I made this appointment because I, I wanted to meet you. Now, it wasn't a haircut. He didn't have any hair. And I said to him, well, here I am. And he said, I'm, I'm a professor of religion at the university up on the hill. And I said, well, bully for you. And I knew why he was there, because I had three of his students come in, and it was an ongoing debate. They said this to me. 
Don, I gotta ask you a question. I said, okay, ask me. The professor is teaching this, and if I don't write down on the test, can you hear me? If I don't write down on this test, and one boy said my graduating depends upon this class. He said, if I don't write down the test what the professor told us to write, he said, if you don't write what I said, I will fail you. And what he said was, Jesus Christ was a homosexual because who else would travel with 12 men and a prostitute? He said, what do I do, though? What do I do? And I said, I know what I would do, but I never graduated anything in my life, so it doesn't matter. I know what I would do, but I'm not telling you because I'm not paying your tuition. I am not your father. He goes, you wouldn't write that, would you? And I said, not one sentence, not one word of that sentence would I put on paper, that my Lord's a homosexual. Not one day would I say that out loud, and I'll tell you something else. I wouldn't even listen to it. I'd vote that with my feet. I'd be out of there. That's silliness. Well, he came down to meet me. He came down to meet me, and he wanted to talk to me, and I said, tell me all you want to tell me. And he unloaded both barrels on me. What is your education background? I said, why do you ask? I have a second, I have a two-year-old granddaughter no more than you know about the thing you say you're teaching. He said, oh, really? And I said, yeah, and that's the conversation went that. I'm not saying we're to be mean or be hateful, but I'm telling you this. We don't let the world tell us who we are. I said, you can put a number, you can put letters behind your name until they go out the door. Jesus Christ was not a homosexual. You're, you're just completely deceived. He said, have you ever heard of something called tolerance? And I said, yes, but I, I doubt you have. And folks, this is what tolerance is where I live. Tolerance is you tolerate everything I tell you, and then you have no rebuttal. I do not have to tolerate you. And I said to him, you're a phony, you're a fake, you're a liar. He got up and said, how much for the haircut? I said, we haven't done a haircut. You don't have any hair. But we haven't gotten started yet. He said, still, I took your time. That was very gracious. I said, I, I have nothing against you. I don't accept money for things I don't do. Now we know where each other stands. He said, well, I'll say one more thing to you. Don't speak to my students anymore. And I said, I thought the conversation was over, but now I have to answer. I'm going to do it. They come and ask me a question. Folks, folks, listen. The Lord has given the answers to babes, and he's blinding the people who believe they're wise in many cases. There are some wise, wise people who understand it. There are some people that the Lord said, it's, it's, a, it's a percentage thing. He said, these people don't understand me. Some do. Some do. He prayed earlier in the book, and he said, thank you. You haven't given it to no, nobility. You haven't given it just to princes and kings, but to the common people. You've given your word, and I'm so grateful for that teaching. But folks, we don't have to. We're not, we're not defined by what the world votes in. We're not, we're not defined by what the world says is right. We are Christians. This is our book. My harping, if I harp and I do, I'll harp on this. Learn what the book says. Learn the Word of God. This is where the test is going to come from. At the end of your life and mine, we're all going to die. And one day we're going to stand before the Lord and He's going to say, it's an open book test. What would you do with it? He says, here, I love you so much I died for you. What, how much did you love me? How much did you love me? And this is going to be a little different test because 
He knows the answer before he asks the question. I don't understand why Christians can't grasp the idea of eternity. This body, and I've known little of it, I thank God for that, this body can be in some kind of pain you think you can't stand five more minutes. It happens. And with age, it happens more. And you think it... I jumped out of bed the other night with a leg cramp, and I bet it wasn't 15 seconds. It seemed like a year. That's enough of that. Can you imagine eternity and pain and suffering, and yet people laugh at that? Or they scoff at that? Or they just poo-poo that idea? Well, it was about our salvation. If you're really a Christian, I think if you're really a Christian, these things matter much to you. And so we see there's a rainbow around the throne. Now the throne was set, the Bible says, and that means it was put there for a purpose with a plan, and that was a throne of judgment. John says, I went to heaven, and there was a throne that was set in place to be a judgment throne, and I saw the one that sat on it. Now can I say to you, chapter 4 of Revelation is really an introduction to chapter 5, where we meet Jesus Christ, the risen Jesus Christ. Now in chapter 1 you see this uh, flame fire in his eyes, his hair is white as wool, a golden girdle, you see all that. That's the eternal. When you go into chapter 5, you see the creator. And I say that because this chapter ends with, thou art worthy, think about that with me. Verse 11 says, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for because thou hast created all things. We're going to worship him now, listen. We're going to worship God. We're going to lay before God. We're going to prostrate before God for eternity and worship Him for this reason because He is the Creator of all things. Now listen, and we close with this idea. I'm pretty sure we'll take a moment. Genesis is not hard to understand. The book of Genesis is the opening statement of God. The book of Genesis is not hard to understand, but it is a book that clearly lays out His purpose and His plan. And what is his purpose and his plan? Here is what the world is fighting so hard that God is the creator of all things. Simple, simple for children, little kids here, that these young, young ch children can tell me from an hour on Sunday school that this is God's plan. Very simple. His, simple was, his plan was this. He said, I made everything. I made everything to give to you. Everything I made. And he, he tells the creation, I made that. And how is it stated? It says, and God said, and God said, let there be. And God said, let there be. Everything from light to fish, everything from the moon to the plants, everything, God said, and at the end of that sentence, and it was, and it was so. And if you study like I do, you can take out the middle part to see what it's really saying, and it says, and God said so, and God said so, and God said so. You know what that book is to me? If God says so. The Word of God, the Bible, to me is this. I read it, and that's God said so. The Holy Spirit is the author of that book. Now, you, want, you know what God said so to? He said so to this plan. He said, now, the first day, I created everything. Just, just, he, he didn't argue if you want to. He's not arguing the fact. He's just stating the fact. I made everything, and I made it because I said so. 
The next thing he says is, now here's my plan with the creation. I'm going to make a man. I'm going to make a man and I'm going to give him a woman. There's a concept the world wants to fight about. It's not, you can't win that fight. It's God's plan. God said, I made a man and I gave him a woman. His first creation was human beings, male and female. The second part of his plan moved to the union of those two people to make a family. What does it take? A man and a woman, and they're a family. What's the third part of his plan? That that union will create children, fruit. God's simple plan. These children, well, we're way above that, but the little bitty children downstairs can say this to you. That is God's simple plan. God laid that out very clearly. Tarzan could understand it, so could Cheetah. A monkey could get this. Very simple plan. What is the world fighting today? What is the world fighting? You tell me. They're so angry at that plan. The world today is so angry at God's simple plan. When I was a young preacher, I saw them fighting the fruit. They were destroying the children. I thought, boy, that, that's going to be that's going to be part of my ministry. A little bit long, a little bit later in my ministry, and I saw they started attacking the the middle of this plan, the, the, the marriage unions. Divorce rates skyrocketed. There was a time in the late 80s that the divorce rate among Christians, or quote-unquote Christians, was higher than the world. They run pretty close together all the time. And now, they're, now the big fight is male and female. It's amazing that the whole world wants to fight God's plan. But that's where we are. What is the reason we, we lay before him when we meet him in heaven? The first thing we say to him, Worthy art thou to receive honor and glory and worship because you've created all things. The first thing out of our mouth to the Lord is going to be, We worship you, O creator God. We worship, that, we worship you for that ability to do it, the fact that you did do it, the wonderful way you did it, the fact you gave it to us. And the fact that you said, this plan works if you follow my plan. If you go beyond the bounds of my plan, it just simply doesn't work. One of the great things I have to counsel with people is they break the covenant of their marriage vows. stand right here and we get married and I tell people every time I marry some young couple these people are simply here to witness they got nothing to do with your marriage other than they're witnessing the fact you're doing it and hopefully they'll support you in your marriage you and you are making a covenant to each other and to God it's a triangle here today you're making a covenant to God and I say, are you a Christian little girl? Oh, I'm a Christian. Are you a Christian young man? Oh, I am, I am, I am. And I say, man, you better watch your mouth the way you talk to God's daughter. You better do it. You better do it. I'm blessed with my son-in-law. But I want to say this to you. There are people that have son-in-laws. It would be trouble in my house. It would be trouble in my house. The way they treat their, their wives, their, 
the way they treat people's daughters now, really. And vice versa. There are there's Alex sitting looking at you know what? I told that boy. That's right. He used that dumb look, so I won't get angry at anybody. <laughs> He said, honest truth, though, I told that boy the day he got married, I said, you can remember this. I said, you hurt my daughter, I'll kill you. I said, you go out and be blessed. You have a great honeymoon, get back here, start a family, do your thing, be blessed. If you hurt my daughter, I'll kill you. And I watched him for a month. And I started having to protect him. And <laughs> <laughs> running the all the time. That didn't happen. Look at this little deal here. But see what happens? That's honest truth, isn't it? My point is this. I love my daughter. She's mine. And I do my best to stay out of their way. But listen to me. These are God's daughters. And these are God's sons. And he says, if you treat them that way, I'm going to intervene one day. I'm going to come down and I'm going to intervene. And people think, well, I gotta, I'm getting away with it. I'm getting away with it. I talk to her that way every day. We're still married. She doesn't anything. You haven't faced the Lord yet. Do you know the word long sufferings in the Bible? And the Lord said, uh, we're studying this morning out of the 15th, 15th chapter First 1 Samuel. And the Lord said to Saul when he was first made king, he said this to him. I remember what Amalek did. That's some years ago. But he said, I remember what it was. And I want you to go in there and kill them all. Wipe them out. This chapter is telling us what we're going to be doing in heaven. It's the division of the saints. Now on earth now, the saints of God, this is not God's plan, but on earth the, the saints of God are divided into different churches by different names. That's not God's plan. That's foolishness, folks. People argue that. They think they're more holy because they go to a certain denomination. If they're willing to have that conversation, you know they're not holy at all. But on earth, the, the, the division of God's people is called by churches in heaven. We lose that identity completely. There are no church denominations in heaven. And the saints will be divided into new groups that starts teaching us. And we'll see through the rest of the book. And we see what our work is. And the work is this. As I understand it now, and I'm telling you the best I know, as I understand it in heaven, we're going to be divided this way according to our ability and our qualifications here on earth. We're going to be divided by what we did faithfully here. Don't laugh at him and live like a, like a beast. It's, it's forever. Our qualifications and our abilities here, the Lord has said, he chooses people. He said, those that were faithful to me will be made my ministers over much. We're going to be part of his redemption. I, I don't mean that in any way usurping the authority, but I mean this, to carry out and to finish the plan of redemption. We're going to have a part of that. How do we do it? There's going to be a preaching of the gospel, even during the tribulation, the preaching of the gospel. There are going to be administrations of judgments and plagues. And we're going to be people who do that. 1 Corinthians 6.2 says, Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? Don't you know that? You want to live like you're living when the saints are going to judge the world? 
In Psalm 149, verses 5 through 9, uh, David said, let the, let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing loud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and the two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people. To bind their kings with chains, their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written, this honor have all of his saints. Know you not that we're going to judge the nation? How are you going to feel judging nations when you were doing what they were doing? Here's how the saints are here's how the saints are identified in the rest of the book. By their clothing, their work, and their positions. I find they're sometimes called living ones, horsemen, angels, messengers in the rest of the book. People look at that and say living ones, and they don't they think that's another group somehow, God's terrestrial being. And they see horsemen and think it's going to be everybody on a horse. Well, the Bible says you're going to be on one. A heavenly horse, how it had like that. So when he comes back with all of the saints, he's going to be on a white horse. Did you know that horse is going to be white? Did you know that horse is going to be white? Some folks have a dirty white horse and say, got a white horse. And I said, no, you don't. Not, not quite. The Lord's going to be on a white horse. And it says, out of, out of the throne is going to proceed thunderings and lightnings and voices. And these are the judgments of God. Now I close with this. And I want to make this statement. I want you to hear it. You look at the judgment of God and these people say the book of Revelation is for lunatics and they say God is mean. The judgments of God always are twofold, and the first judgments, the warning judgments, always have grace. I judge these things, the Lord says, and I tell you the outcome that you may repent and return unto me. And the Bible teaches through the entire book there's a line. You can cross that line, the Lord said, oh, you're done. You're done. My judgment now stands for all eternity. Now, folks, God loves us so much. What he has given us and provided for us is so huge, so big, so wonderful, so deep. And yet most, most, most people absolutely ignore the goodness of God and want to live life their own way, make their own choices, make their own decisions. All, everything is, is what they decide. And they will tell you that's living the blessed life. That's what God, you know, look at us. We worked hard, and you did. I give you that. And look what we have now. The ability to ignore God completely. Didn't we do well? Boy, we did great. Don, you're just mean. I'm just mean, you know. He loves you. He said, why don't you let me plan your life a little bit? Why don't you let me plan your life? Why don't you take that 6,100 million square foot house you can afford, why don't you take that and call a couple of people in and open the Bible and say, did you know God promised this if you love him? Can you say that? Oh, I can't teach the Bible. I'm not asking you to. I'm asking you to read something and say, do you believe that? Oh, I can't be doing that. They might eat part of my coffee cake. They might get in my cookie stash. Give it to them. Invite people into your home that don't know the Lord at all. 
give them a cookie, a cup of coffee, a cold pop, give them something and say, do you know the Bible says this? And then what do you think about that? That may be the last time you see them. It may be. You may get a friend for life that follows you into eternity. And when the Lord says, look at you. Well done. Look, look who you brought with you. What did you do? You set up a tent and preach and hammer on the Bible and scream at people? No. I asked a guy at, at the grocery store if he knew who the Lord was. You don't. Do you want to? Can you tell me? I can tell you. I met him a long time ago. He's giving me a lovely home. Would you come sit there with me and, and look at the Word of God? Would you? Can I tell you that I've, I've been spit on and slapped out? All the things I've told you, but I've also had people turn around and just hug me. No one's ever told me that before. Why are you telling me that? If you say the Lord told me to, they look at you funny, but I'm saying because... I want you to know what I know of his goodness. He is so good. Oh, he's good. And I hear it on the radio, and I see it on the television, and I'm telling you today, and I watch the people. The last two years, I've watched some evangelists on television, and I'm so grateful for them because I'm looking out at this every Sunday thinking, uh, this is going nowhere on a fast track. But I don't know that. People all listen different. Some people listen looking angry. Some people look away. Some people look right at me. Some nod yes. Some nod no. But here's what I learned. I'm listening the other night to Adrian Rogers on television. He's preaching, and my heart's saying, say it. Say it. Oh, man, you're on it tonight. Say it. Say it again. I want to hear it of nobody else. And they pan through the audience, and they look like the living dead. And I don't know if that means they're thinking or what, but they're there, and he's preaching a message as Surely from the throne of God. You turn on T.D. Jakes and they're ahead of it. They're screaming at him before he says it. Different culture. Different world. But I'll ask you this morning. We're done this morning. Time is up and you're glad. And I'll say this to you. Do you believe the word of God? Do you love him for doing this for you? called me as a little boy. Called me at 10 years old. The Lord called me. I, can, I, I don't have to be verified by any of you. The Lord called me and he said this to me. If you'll do what I call you to do, you won't believe it. I've been at it now for 35, 37 years and I can't hardly believe it. How good he is to me. Oh, he's good to me. He is so good to me. And yet, there's a lot more to do. Do you love him? Do you, do you really love him? Or are you just one of those Christians in name? I'm going to take all I can get and I'm going to have more for me. I'm going to have a house that uh, we can't possibly live in. We live in a little bit of it. I live like that. I'm not making fun of anybody. We have, I've been in real estate for 31 years or 21 years. I'll tell you something. I go to people's house and I say, well, you want to sell your house? Yeah, why? They have a path. Everybody has a path. They walk in the door, they go to the kitchen, to their little room, to the bedroom, back to that room. Everybody. Everybody lives in the same place all the time. Got an upstairs, a downstairs, a seven-car garage. And where do you live? 
I get out of bed, I come through here, I get sit there, I get, I come in at night, and I come do the reverse order and go back to bed. Shower. Share it, folks. Share his bounty with others. The book of Revelation 4 through 19 is the switches back and forth between a view from heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. What's happening on earth, what's going on in heaven, and it's a cause and effect all the way through. It's a tremendous study, and we're going to do that. But know this. These workers are us. These are the redeemed that are raptured from, from the church age. These are us. This is our work before us. Father, we thank you again for this hour now and ask your blessing on it. Thank you for your word and all the things that we can see there. And I ask you to give each one of us here open eyes and open minds of understanding, hearts that would receive it, the strength and the power to do it, Lord. We just pray for those things, not from your spirit, because that's what it takes. We don't have that without you, and we ask for it. Bless each one here this morning now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we go, listen, I want to say something.